Everyone has a relationship with gender. What's your story? Hello and welcome to Gender Stories with your host, Dr. Alexian Taffy. Hello and welcome to a new season and a new episode of Gender Stories with your host, Alexian Taffy. That's me. And today I actually don't have a guest. You're just going to get me talking a little bit about what's new for the second season and also talking about the holidays and the new year, the new Gregorian calendar year that um, many of us have just celebrated and the pressure that I feel at this time of the year and maybe some of you, dear listeners, also feel that pressure. Anyway, welcome to the second season. I've decided just like that, that the first season is over. It's been almost a year since I started this podcast, and I'm so grateful for all of you who listen to it. And apparently one of my partners said that I always say, I'm so excited at the beginning of every episode, but I truly am excited. This is really the work of my heart, and I love talking to people about gender and their gender stories. So I hope you're enjoying it. And um, let me tell you what's new for the second season. What's new is that I'm going to try and release one episode every other week. That is right. For 2019, dear Gender Stories listeners, you can look forward to 26 episodes. And many of them will be interviews and some of them will be just with me and we'll kind of mix it up a little bit more. If you do have an idea, please do contact me. You can reach me at genderstories at gmail.com. You can send me a tweet message, a tweet, a Twitter message. Oh, I'm showing my age. Or you can find me on Instagram as well. So do do contact me and let me know what your idea for an episode is. Ah, okay, so let's talk about the fact that it's January 3rd, 2019. It is a new Gregorian calendar year. So many of you um, have been celebrating New Year's Eve and New Year's Day. And many of you have been celebrating New Year at a different time for you. Um let me in into a little secret though. I hate New Year's Eve and New Year's Day. I usually have at least one uh, meltdown. I know I'm a therapist and I'm almost 50 and I still have meltdowns on New Year's Eve and New Year's Day just because I feel so much pressure. There is all this pressure to like review what have you done in the past year and what will you do in the new year and what are your resolutions and I always feel this pressure of have I done enough? And and for many of us who really struggle with all the time with, am I enough? This idea of have I done enough can be really overwhelming. I remember growing up um, having big New Year's Eve celebrations in Sicily with my family, and I would often hide in the, in the bathroom that nobody would use to kind of journal or read or just be by myself because um, that gave me a little bit of space from that communal pressure. And so if you feel pressure as well, this episode might be for you. Uh, and if you don't feel pressure, you might be curious about uh, other people around you, maybe partners or family members might feel pressure when there is something that celebrates a new year in uh, in the calendar. 
Um, one of the things I want to talk about is how does gender impact that pressure? I know for me, um, being some of you might know from listening to me or from uh, reading about me in the book or other places that I'm a trans masculine non-binary person and I was assigned female at birth. And so some of the pressure was all the expectations around holidays and celebrations of kind of cater to the needs of people around me. As somebody who was assigned female at birth, um, was expected to kind of help out more um, to make sure that everybody was happy. And, but there was also this kind of pressure that it was more subtle, not just of doing, but of being, being nice to relatives, being palatable to people around me, whether I like them or not. And that is a pressure that can often be very gendered. There's something about people who are assigned female at birth being expected to be nice in specific ways. And so not that there aren't pressures on people who are assigned male at birth too. There are pressures of, for example, of behaving in a certain way, so of maybe participating in certain kind of conversations that are deemed to be more masculine or interactions with relatives that are very gendered and may be more or less comfortable for different people. And of course, regardless of how we are assigned at birth, all of us have such a beautiful landscape of different gender identities and expressions and we might be interacting with relatives for example that we don't see all the time or don't know us very well and that might expect from us um, a performance of gender that is not really who we are so the holidays can be a really stressful time not just for those of us who may be trans and or non-binary and or and or non-gender non-conforming or the term I prefer, gender expansive, I think that can kind of be a mess for everybody, honestly. As a therapist, I know that I often see people in my practice who are really struggling with this idea of the holidays and the new year. And then there's other intersections to consider, right? For those of us who maybe don't celebrate the same holidays that are celebrated in the dominant culture, that can be a sense of isolation, of alienation. Um, for younger people, there might even be a yearning of celebrating the same um, traditions that other people celebrate. You know, in our household, for example, we celebrate winter solstice, really, but my kid is just really in love with Christmas. So we celebrate Christmas in a cultural way, but not a spiritual way. And then there are other intersections to consider. As somebody who's kind of chronically ill and um, has invisible disabilities, I often feel this pressure during the holidays to be my best, to um, be social, to go beyond what I can. And what happens is actually that I get sick as soon as I take some time off for the holidays. And this is why this episode is late, dear listeners. I just got so sick. And you might even hear it in my voice now that I'm still recovering from this like terrible cold and bronchitis. And... Um, and so there is like, I'm sick and I'm letting people know I'm sick. Don't come to my house if you don't want to get my germs. But everybody's like, it's great. We can come over. And and the reality is that I love it. I love being with my folks. But I'm also like really struggling with what does it mean to keep showing up um, when I do have a chronic illness, when I do have a disability. How do I balance my responsibility towards my family and my community for showing up and also the responsibility to myself of kind of taking care of my health. And um, and that can be such a dance. And I know there's that beautiful episode with Naomi Ortiz talking about self-care, sustainability, and social justice. I really invite you to check it out. It's in season one. 
it's a beautiful interview but I know um, during the holidays and especially this year because I've been in a flare-up of my fibromyalgia since March of 2018 this is one of the longest flare-ups I've had it's just, just this pressure of keep showing up and then when you add the new year this pressure of looking back and what have I done in 2018 well a lot less than I wanted to Never mind that I've written a whole new book, Life Isn't Binary, coming out in May. I hope you're going to really enjoy it, Scotter with Mac John Barker. Never mind that I've secured the contract for a new book to write by myself about gender for counselors and therapists and educators. Never mind that I've launched a podcast. Never mind that I parent and I run kind of a small group practice that is successful and is expanding. It can feel like it's never enough. And I know that some of you um, might relate to this feeling of never enough. And and I think gender has a lot to do, uh, whether it's never enough because you're expected to be a provider because of your gender, whether it's never enough because you're expected to be the caring, nurturing person in your family. Kind of what are the gender expectations in your life that might intersect with other aspects of your identities and experience that just feel like a lot of pressures? Um, I know I have my own and I just really invite you to reflect what yours might be and then how do we negotiate those with all the demands that we have on ourselves and other people might also have on us because let's face it um, we do we are relational beings we we do um, have uh, people do have expectations of us we do have relationships and holiday traditions to live up to and families to take care of and usually and often jobs because we live in a capitalist society and all of that and I know that growing up for me there was this kind of paradoxical pressure where because I was considered to be fairly smart there was all this pressure coming from a working class family of kind of being the first female assigned a birth person that would go straight to college you know rather than my mom did get a college degree, but much later in life, when I was already in elementary school, for example. Um, so there was this, all this pressure to go and succeed and have a really beautiful career. But there was also this pressure of kind of having a family, having children, and kind of doing it all. I remember when I got my PhD, I was so proud visiting my great aunt in Sicily, and it was Day of the Dead there, and we were walking around the cemetery and saying hi to different families because that's kind of what you do there and I was we were talking about me getting my PhD and how excited I was about it and she said great when are you gonna have a child and I was like hang on I've just finished finished this huge project just birthed this thesis into the world something that nobody in my family had ever done before go on to graduate school and get a doctorate and there was this new pressure and she kept pointing out all the people who were my age already maybe having their second child let alone the fact that I had not given a, a great grandchild yet and so this pressure wasn't specifically around the holidays, although we were celebrating a holiday, um, the Day of the Dead holiday, but it was literally this pressure of kind of, uh, can you do it all? Can you be this person who is the first person in our family to go to graduate school and get a PhD? And can you also be this person who does all the other things we expect of you because of your sex assigned at birth, which is to provide children and to have a family and to do all this nurturing thing. So it's a lot. It's a lot of pressures. And I wonder what pressures you're feeling at the beginning of 2019 and uh, whether those pressures are internal or external 
or a mixture of both. I know for me often they're really a mixture of both. Um, and one of the things I've been thinking about is how do I do better? Uh, which, of course, it's another pressure, right? <laughs> how do I take care of myself better? It can be this really paradoxical thing that in the, in an attempt to do better and take care of myself, I'm going to push myself some more, right? At the time where I have so few spoons, so little energy, so little capacity. Um, but yes, how do I do better by myself and for myself? Um and I've been thinking a lot about what are the qualities that I've been trying to cultivate um, over the past several years. And those are qualities that often I work with, um, I work on with my clients as well. Qualities such as compassion or kindness or kind of nurturing ourselves maybe in ways that we've never nurtured, never been nurtured um, by the grown-ups around us because they didn't know how to not because they were necessarily mean, I mean, sometimes because they were mean and abusive, and other times also because they didn't know any better, because intergenerational trauma is real, it gets passed on. And so I've been really thinking a lot about what does it mean to nurture myself, and what does it mean to be kind and compassionate. And of, co of course, all these qualities are kind of gendered. And I've been thinking about how much those qualities are so necessary for everybody I know and definitely all the clients I work with, but also my, the folks I'm in community with and my family that does have people of different gender identities and expressions. And what would happen if those qualities that we need in our lives were liberated from being gendered? If there wasn't shame associated with being kind and compassionate and nurturing, for example, for people who are assigned male at birth and might be expected um, to behave in ways that are not kind, compassionate and nurturing towards themselves. But also how hard it is for folks who are assigned female at birth to show those qualities towards ourselves. We're really brought up to often, at least in my experience, put other people's needs ahead of our own. And that's one thing I really, really struggle with over the holidays. I want to create this beautiful experience for everybody else. And often I find myself um, not meeting my own basic needs. I might get up and go, oh, I better start baking. I better start cooking this thing. I better make sure the tree is decorated. And it has taken years for me to let go of some of those things and make sure I put my own um air mask first, as they say on the airlines, right, that I meet my own needs. So how can we be kinder? How can we be more nurturing? How can we be more compassionate towards ourselves, especially when that might not be the way that we were educated or brought up to do? And of course, we can't do this in isolation, right? I said earlier on that we are relational beings. And Naomi and I, in the episode that I mentioned earlier that I truly invite you to check out, um, talked a lot about interdependence, for example. And the disability justice movement has done such an amazing job of really bringing to the fore the fact that this myth of rugged individualism doesn't really work for anybody. We are all interdependent beings, which of course any indigenous culture already knows and has always known. But unfortunately, through the wound of settler colonialism and the wound of patriarchy, we often feel that we have to do it all by ourselves, for ourselves, and we 
are isolated by others. But what does kind of kindness, nurturing, and compassion look like when we truly look at it from this kind of interdependent relational way? And of course, then that kindness, nurturing, and compassion is also balanced with accountability and responsibility we have with one another. But if I am accountable and responsible to and for my family, my clients, my communities, I also need to take care of myself. I need to have that kindness, compassion, and nurturing for myself. Because if I don't, I will not be able to keep showing up. Uh, for example, burnout is very real in my profession as a as a therapist. And at a conference recently, one of the presenters was talking about how in some ways therapists, especially therapists who work with trauma quite a bit, which is what I do, need to be superheroes of self-care. And I thought, I, I thought I was a superhero self-care until I talked to one of my partners who was like, oh, you know that just kind of eating breakfast and going to bed at a good time and brushing your teeth is kind of basic care. It's not like being a superhero self-care. And I was like, what? But I really struggled to get to the point where I can take good basic care of myself. And I know other people do too, because I work on a weekly basis with people who also struggle to take care of themselves, but who are also so dedicated to taking care of other people. And so interdependence reminds us that we because we have a duty to others because we have responsibility to others and accountability to others we do need to take care of ourselves because if we do not we cannot show up in our families in our community in our job in the way we need to Ah, but that is really hard to do, dear listeners. Uh, I am a therapist with over a decade of experience, and I really struggle with it, even though I work um, with this, um, like I said, on a regular weekly basis, and I feel like I've developed so many tools. So especially when we live in a culture where we are invited to have bigger visions, bigger dreams, to do bigger, better, more, it can be so hard to kind of just take a moment to pause and appreciate that we are enough just for being, no matter what we do or no matter what we produce. Just being, just breathing, just living is worthwhile. We are worthwhile because we are alive. We are worthwhile because we are. We are enough. But it can be so, so hard to remember, especially at this time of the year when we're invited to kind of evaluate what we have done, not who we are, and to then set goals for doing more, not for being more necessarily. So I've been thinking a lot about um, what to do at this time of the year to feel less pressure. And uh, one of the things I'm really cultivating this year, and I'll let you know how it goes, is a deeper connection to myself and others. And so I really invite you to think about what would it be like if the holidays were really not about doing more, um, producing more, bigger, better gifts, bigger, better food, um, bigger, better holidays, whatever it is that you do to celebrate. But what if they were really about deeper connection with ourselves and the people around us, no matter what the holidays are that you celebrate. And then for times where we celebrate a new year, like this time where we celebrate a new Gregorian calendar year in 2019, 
What if instead of resolutions, we had intentions? What is my intention for this year? For me, my intention this year is to nurture my well-being and my creativity. But that is not a resolution of doing. It's an intention of these are the things I want to cultivate. There will be some doing involved, but I want that intention to be broad so that no matter what my health does, I can show up, even if it is in a smaller way than I might have initially imagined. And then, of course, balancing those intentions with compassion. What happens when I don't have the capacity to show up the way I want to? How can I be compassionate to myself and compassionate with others? How can I just be with myself and with others exactly where they're at? Not where I think I should be or where I think they should be. Just compassion, the capacity to feel with people regardless of where they're at and the capacity to be with ourselves regardless of where we're at and to have that radical acceptance that this is where I am, this is what I can do and maybe I can't do anything right now and so I'm just going to be and know that that is enough. So I don't know what the new year is like for you and I don't even know if this is the new year that you celebrate but I hope that some of the things I've talked about are applicable to you even if the time you celebrate a new year is different from the Gregorian calendar year. And I invite you to consider how can you appreciate deeper connection to yourself and to others? What is the intention, not the resolution, but the intention that you want to set for yourself? And you might want to have an intention for yourself even every day or with the season or at a specific time of the year. And how can we be in deeper compassion with ourselves and with others how can we be more compassionate with ourselves and with others so thank you so much for listening to this opening episode for season two i am indeed so excited as i am every episode to share a whole new season with you to share 25 more episodes after this one in 2019 and yes i am committing and i will do my best to compassionately and creatively show up uh, to this promise and in the meantime ways in which you can support this podcast is to subscribe on your favorite platform and please even leave a review if you want to if there is that option on the platform on which you listen if you want me to get some paid listens uh, you can use radio public you listen for free but I get paid for every listen so you could do that or you can just listen on your favorite platform You can follow me on Twitter and on Instagram. And of course, you can, like I said, subscribe. And um, watch out for an announcement about a way to kind of financially sustain the podcast. I've kind of been self-supporting for the first year, but I really would like to open up the opportunity to listeners to be um, a bigger part of this. So there will be an announcement about my Patreon in the next episode. And then if you want to learn more about gender, I really invite you to check out the book I've co-authored with Mac Jobenbarker called How to Understand Your Gender, A Practical Guide for Exploring Who You Are. I know it has the longest title, How to Understand Your Gender. You can get it from your favorite independent bookseller or online. It's published by Jessica Kingsley. And there will be a new book this year. So Life is Unbinary, watch out for that. Or you can... uh, pre-order it as well and I really look forward to talking with you more 
in the meantime, I hope you can be gentle and kind to yourself. And if you celebrate it, Happy New Year.